podcast friends. My name is David Lee and you are listening to the Inspire Design Create podcast, giving freelance filmmakers a voice, sharing their stories and connecting the world of cinematography, commercial filmmaking and starting your own business together. Let's go. Mic check. All right, friends, what is going on? We are uh, back with a brand new week, brand new podcast episode. This one is actually a uh, interview that I was on um, with the guys over at Story Over Everything. Um, I'll leave uh, links in the description uh, to their Instagram and also to their podcast um, hosted by uh, Aaron and uh, his co-host Chaz. Uh, and basically, they had me on to talk about uh, branded documentary, right? Like sort of the ins and outs of um, how to potentially pitch a um, a client or a business or a company uh, for branded documentary type of content. What is branded documentary? Um, and the again, sort of the ins and outs of like you know um, how to uh, how to basically uh, have an idea for a branded documentary, how to pitch that to a client, how to know um, if a client even needs branded documentary and then like the uh, more so like the logistical and the technical stuff right so how do you assemble your timeline how do you create a storyboard uh what ideas are you um going into a branded documentary project um how to conduct an interview things like that right um you can find all that kind of stuff uh, online and also on my youtube channel i did make a, a youtube video like a year or two ago on branded documentaries so you can check that out i will leave that link in the in the description as well um and yeah that's pretty much what today's episode uh, is about and and the guys over at um story over everything and they have a really interesting um podcast that i dig a lot right because it's a it's really meant for uh freelance uh freelancers at the end of the day right freelance uh, videographers um and people who maybe are shooting like events uh, who are maybe doing a uh, small scale type of projects and maybe are looking into uh scaling their project scaling their business scaling their projects up um in that um, in that medium, uh, not necessarily just, just branded documentary, but, uh, everything when it comes to, um, uh, social media content, online content, branded content, right? Uh, let me see what else. Um, not too much. I mean, uh, I have been uh, fairly busy in the, we are in the pre-production stage for, uh, my short film, a drowning heart. Um, and I'm looking to shoot the first, uh, scene, which I'm going to use for the Kickstarter, uh, I think middle of April, uh, everyone's schedules is pretty hectic. Uh, some people are leaving, some people may be leaving, um, out of the country, uh, for your, for different projects, right? So I'm, I'm, uh, pretty much like, you know, boots to the ground and I'm going, um, overdrive right now, right? Trying to, trying to, trying to see just what everyone's schedule is. So I can get this thing going. Uh, but pre-production is, um, is live and well, right? So that's, what's happening right now, as far as the more, like interesting things happening uh, in life. Uh, and then the next episode, uh, I already know what, what it's going to be. Uh, kind of give you guys a heads up on that. Uh, I am shooting my first virtual production uh, this week. And so uh, I will uh, I will give you um, the, the ins and outs of what I learned, uh, what I've already kind of experienced since we had a prep day uh, last week. And um, again, every volume is different. Every, you know, uh, each of the panels, that make up the volume wall are different, um, different technology. There's different versions of, of Unreal Engine. Some uh, backgrounds work with certain versions, some don't, right? And uh, the industry, there really isn't a standard for for virtual production right now. You know, everyone's kind of just doing doing their own thing, right? And uh, so that's what makes it a little bit more difficult <clears throat> is there's no like protocol. There's no like standard. It's kind of just like um, whatever the, the, the text kind of, 
um, come up with and they make their own little manual, their own little handbook, you kind of just go off of that, right? And then see what works, see what doesn't work, uh, see what is sort of like um, standard practice for each um, virtual studio you virtual studio you go into, um, and then you you uh, you're able to to bring your own feedback, right? As the as camera department, as a uh, group and electric, right? Um, and and you give them more information, which is great because then they can start to build their own sort of um, um, like playbook, right? Of like what to do, what not to do, what certain sensors uh, react to the wall and certain sensors uh, behave differently, right? And certain lenses maybe, maybe um, uh, flare more. And then also, you know, if you're, if you're racking focus uh, from like, the wall to the foreground. Sometimes you get like more ray and things like that, right? So I want to be able to provide um, all those things um, for you guys, and hopefully I'll be able to take some BTS um, of the actual shoot if I remember. Um, and so that'll be for next week's episode. All right, now that is it um, for um, a little intro here. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed enjoy uh, this podcast interview that I was on with Aaron, Chaz, and the guys from uh, Story Over Everything. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Story Over Everything. I'm your host, Aaron Atwell, here as always with my co-host, Chaz Reed. I almost said your middle name, but I don't know if you want people to know your middle name. Definitely is it a, don't. Is it a secret? Top secret. Well, you called me Linwood last week, so. Well, you I'm better gonna, make up a dang old name for me. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in my pocket for a minute. Uh, oh, so Linwood is a fake nickname, man. You can't get him my real nickname. Okay, okay, that's fair. You can give um, me a fake nickname. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna come up with one on this on this episode. Cool. Um, you had a good week, man. Everything going well? Yeah, man. I had a um, had a pretty a pretty uh decent weekend. Just got back from uh from Miami, mm-hmm. um, and during that trip, I realized that I am. One, I realized two things. I realized one, I am thankful for truck drivers. Um, okay. And two, I am, I realized that I can't be a truck driver. Um, <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, so GPS nonstop is 10, about 10 hours from my house, but you know, fuel is stopping traffic each way. It was 12 hours. Um, I definitely felt like a truck driver and, um, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, you know what? Thank you to the most high for everybody with his, uh, CDL. Um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm not one of them people. Uh, yeah, me I, said, I give you four hours, you know, five is pushing it and, that, that's it. I'm 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 done for. I'm, I I don't want no more. So <laughs> that was about it for me. What about yeah. your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. Uh, we I don't even remember this. Why do you know what today is? If I'm being honest, it's Wednesday. I know that because yeah. we're doing the podcast. That was um, it. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I got into this weekend, but I felt like it was fine. I mean, if there's no complaints, it was all right. There you go. <clears throat> yeah, my son uh, had his final. 
uh, regular season basketball game. Played like absolute monster. Uh, won. So now we got a first round bye in the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And then of course soccer starts Saturday, which I'm excited about. Um, cool. Well, today, uh, everybody, if you're watching, you already know. If you're listening, you probably don't know. But we have a special guest today. And I know you've probably heard of Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we got David Lee on. He's a, he's a California-based filmmaker. Very talented guy. Um, David, why don't you take a second, introduce yourself, and let us know uh, a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. How's it going, uh, everyone? My name, uh, my name, just like Aaron says, David Lee. Uh, I'm a cinematographer based in uh, California, uh, Los Angeles area. Uh, also a filmmaker, so I do a lot of uh, narrative, uh, narrative work. Uh, but most of my work, when it comes to just like the day to day stuff, is everything from uh, you name it: corporate, branded doc, commercial, advertising, uh, retail is the majority of like the stuff that I do. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much. Uh, that the long story short, I guess. Uh, but I left, I guess the ball, I guess kind of lead it in to kind of give you guys a little bit more. Uh, I, I worked in, I worked in uh, technology for like years. I worked in it. And then um, one day just, just wasn't, just wasn't, just wasn't it, you know? So I left that and then started from ground zero, no network, no experience on set, nothing, you know, just uh, willing to do anything and everything to get experience and to learn. And, um, you know, seven years later, um, here I am. So, Nice. Still alive, <laughs> still kicking, still kicking. Yeah, that's awesome. So you started from tech and you came to the video world. What yes, was sir. it? What was it? The transition to you? You were working one day in tech, and then what happened? Where you think, yeah, I'd like to do this video stuff. So, uh, you know, not the not the most uh, rainbow and sunshine of of events. Uh, to be honest, uh, I had a friend to commit suicide. Um, and yeah, just you know, he uh, one day just. His daughter found him in the backyard, you know, and uh, it was one of those things where, where no, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I really just started to think about my life. You know, I was like, man, dude, life is life is very short. You never know what's going to happen. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, I've always been someone that like um, as being Asian American, especially being Chinese American, you know, like you you really are raised to only be one of three things like that's just how it is. You know, you're either some kind of doctor a lawyer or an engineer, anything else is like not accepted, you know? And I didn't want to do any of those things. I was like, as a kid, I was like, you know, running around and, uh, again, like, you know, uh, academics, I could, I could care less. Like, you know, school is not my thing. Um, minus English, English and like science, I think were the only things that ever interested me in, you know? And I think that, that, that helped it a lot, especially now as a filmmaker and, you know, writing scripts and working, working with writers, um, and even if it's just for like a branded commercial or something, you know, like how to tell a story, you know? So I think that's why English kind of helped me when I was younger and why I excelled at. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's just one of those things where like, uh, I, 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 I didn't know what I wanted to do for like years. High school didn't know what I wanted, didn't know what I wanted to do. College, I like bounced from one department to the other. And it's like, man, like none of this stuff that like, excites me at all, you know? Um, but I was always good with like computers, you know, like I remember like in, in high school, I would like help my buddies like build computers and you go to the, the computer fair and like buy parts and put, put them together and things like that, you know. So um, as a as a as a, uh, pre, you know, kind of pressured into making a choice, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll go into to IT, you know, it's like decent money and, and, and that and that sort of thing, you know. Um, so yeah, spent, I spent years, seven years of my adult life in, in IT and then worked up, 
you know, to the ranks of, you know, being a, a manager of global operations. So I would like travel to fucking India and uh, Canada and Israel and blah, 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 you know? So it was cool. You know, I, I, I think what that honestly did, cause I, I used to work at the end of my career was like working in mergers and acquisitions. So that helped me a lot now, uh, when I work with larger brands and corporations, you know, to understand like what kind of like their mindset is when it comes to the business aspect of things. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it was just, yeah, my, my buddy, you know, uh, kind of ended, ended his life prematurely and, uh, just started thinking, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, put in my, my like one month notice. I was at least nice about that, <laughs> put in my one month notice and saved all the money, took all my stock options and just, and just, and just, you know, got the hell out and literally took like seven months just doing nothing, kind of just figuring out what I wanted to do, you know? And uh, I was remember I was watching a documentary on like YouTube, I think it was YouTube or something like that. And uh, it had captivated me so much just watching this like documentary, you know. And it reminded me of like when I was a kid, and um, you know, someone that was a very kind of like visual, a visual learner. And you know, talking earlier how like I spent most of my my year, my younger years and teen years in in martial arts, like. You know, uh, back in the day, I didn't. My, my parents weren't weren't wealthy at all, so you know, I didn't I didn't have like video games, you know, until like later on. Um, but I would take like little action figures, like GI Joes and like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, and random Legos, and I would like um, I would make like fight scenes, and I would have like you know like a beginning and middle and an end, like you know, like the characters would like have to traverse this little. I used to have this like I remember my uncle bought me this pop this um this like pop up book. I don't know if I'm pretty sure you guys remember Papa books and I got me a Papa book for like Christmas. And, uh, I would, I would use every, every page of that Papa book and I would create like scenes and stuff, you know, like, um, and anyway, so then later on, um, yeah, I just, I saw a documentary and, and it just reminded me of like my childhood and like how much I loved like storytelling and, and the emotionality behind it, you know? Um, so that's what I decided to, to do. And that's, that's what I do now. And that brings you here to today. It is, yes, sir. Well, David Lee is just built different, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week. Oh, no, no, no. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> very cool, very cool story. Um, so this week we want to talk a little bit uh, about branded documentaries. And I say branded documentaries. I don't know if a lot of people know exactly what I'm talking about, um, but I think we could group in like narrative commercial work. Um, and I, I want to make sure I paint a clear difference for the audience. When I say a branded documentary or narrative commercial work, um, I mean where, you know, it's connected to a brand, but the brand is not the main character, essentially, um, where there's a story taking place. And a lot of times the brand just happens to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, there's a character and there's a journey and there's an arc. Um, does that make sense? Did, did I explain that okay? Yeah, 100%. Okay. So... In in your words, David, what what would you describe? Uh, you know, if you're thinking, I got to tell somebody what a branded documentary is. How would you describe it? Uh, for me, if someone asks me what a branded documentary is, whether it's someone on the street or if it's a or if it's a potential lead, <clears throat> anything in that in that in between, uh, it's essentially a way to tell a a company or a brand's story through uh through cinematography through cinematography through the visual language you know visual and auditory language um so it's how how to emotionally connect a um 
I guess I mean like the kind of the plain way to say it is like how to emotionally connect a customer to be inspired to buy a product or a service, right? And not like just just selling them an ad like, hey, 15% off, buy this thing now or, uh, you know, brand new in stock item and some flashy B-roll, you know, buy now or something. You know, it's like those that's the run in the mill stuff that we see on 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 social media feeds. Um, but many companies, many businesses, um, they do both, right? Especially at the larger ones. They have the regular, like vanilla salesy kind of ads. And then they have the branded content, you know, where that be a branded documentary, a short form um, verite, or even um, uh, scripted, uh, branded, branded documentary type of content. Uh, where, again, you know, you're kind of like following someone's journey. Could be the CEO, it could be um, the it could be an actor, you know, who is is playing the role of an employee or anything like that, you know. So that's kind of what branded documentary is in a nutshell. How much of that uh, that process? And I don't want to get too far ahead because we have you know some some steps to take. But how mm-hmm. much of it is being able to paint a picture where someone can see themselves in that story? Is that a part of it? I, I think, think that's, that's like. like that's, that's all of it, it you know, because, because if you, you it's all of it. Yeah. yeah. If, if you, if, 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 uh, if, if a potential, um, customer, right. A potential, um, yeah, yeah potential customer, if they can't see themselves, um, emotionally connected to this person they're watching or these people that they're watching, this scene that they're watching, you know, they're not going to be invested at all. If they're not going to be invested emotionally, you know, and, uh, not to say that like, you know, the point, the goal isn't to emotionally force or persuade someone to just buy something like willy nilly, you know, especially if it's like a high ticket item, you know, if it's something like a service or a product that's like five, 600 bucks, like, you know, that that's like sleazy sales, sales right there, right? If you're just trying to persuade right. someone to buy it, you know, they're like, oh man, I can't afford this thing, but uh, I'm going to buy it anyways, you know? Um, the idea is to just to inspire someone to, to connect with the brand and then hopefully through that process, then they can choose to... Uh, buy the product, buy the service, or be invested in the brand in some way, shape, or form, you know? Mm. That was beautifully said. Yeah, I mean, that's the way I, I prefer. That's the way that I like to work with clients. Uh, again, like, you know, I've shot for, you name it, you know, like Toyota, Volkswagen. I've shot for, you know, ads for Walmart, Lowe's. I've done small businesses, medium businesses. I've done the whole gamut, you know, and every business is different. But, um you know, in the, working in the world of advertising, yeah, and we, we do the retail ads that are just like, you know, sc- B-roll of scrolling through different things and just buy it or whatever, you know, and then we do the branded content where we try to tell stories, you know, and that's what I, what, what inspires me more, you know, it's like going back to that documentary that I saw years ago, it's like, man, I would love to um, do this for a living, like inspire people through storytelling, you know, and um, through that avenue, you know, through advertising and and uh retail and commercials that's that's the medium that it, that it takes sometimes it's the vanilla you know 15 second ad vertical ad or whatever and then the other times it's it'd be an opportunity to really tell like a like a story you know about someone or something and how it connects to that brand absolutely chad do you have anything there i got a, i got a question to move on to but i want to make sure i don't just keep talking no i'm i'm i'm, I'm good go ahead all right so uh david has as I think I told you, most of our audience are freelancers uh, or owner operators where, you know, they're in charge of the sales process, the lead generation, uh, you know, the shooting, the editing. They may have help or may have, uh, you know, some some help, like uh, not employees, maybe employees, maybe contractors, uh, some type of assistance. 
But at the end of the day, the buck stops here. Um, so let's say if if you were telling one of these people, or maybe they asked you for some advice, and you have a meeting with a customer and a potential customer, how do you know, are they a good fit for narrative work like this, branded documentaries, or should they stick to the more, you know, like you said, vanilla stuff, uh, you know, just standard ads or yeah. commodity type things? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think um, it really comes down to even before you even get to that point, you know, like uh, if you're if you're pitching the, because the discussion is different if you're pitching a client versus if they're coming to you because they love your work and they want to work with you. You know, like they see that you've done branded documentary type of uh, work and that's what they want. They reach out to you. That discussion is very different if you're just coming and cold pitching um you know um it's it's uh it's definitely an art form and i i i i'll be honest i suck at it it's not my thing you know like the vast majority of my work you know agencies and production companies come to me because they just see the work that i've done you know but i've done my fair share of of cold pitching when it comes to brandon doc or commercials you know especially and uh it's uh it's it's you're always fighting an uphill battle if like if you're trying to impose your vision on someone else you know what I'm saying? Like if if uh, if you're if you go to BMW and you're like, hey, I want to shoot this, you know, amazing uh, ad. It's gonna be you know a uh, uh, um, a seven day shoot, and we're gonna be shooting in Utah, and then we're gonna go to like New York and all this kind of stuff. They may say cool, or they may say, oh, we don't need that. You know, so you're kind of like you can't force your your vision. Um, again, that's part of like the pitching process. Um, but I would say for anyone who's a, a, a freelancer, a owner operator, you're a one man band or, or a small production company where you shoot, you edit, you deliver, and you're also pitching the ideas, you're doing the storyboards and all that, all that jazz um, is really just, you have to understand the client first. You have to understand your customer first, like through the, uh, through the discovery engagement, ask them those questions, you know, ask them like, what is it that they actually, what is it that they want? And then identify what they actually need, you know, because if you can deliver what they actually need, then that's a, that's a win-win situation. You, you cut out all the fluff and should they want the fluff, then that's great. You just charge them extra for the fluff, you know, or whatever you want to do. Um, but if you identify what they need, then they feel like they're getting exactly, uh, what they, what they actually need for the business, for the business to grow, for them to make their sales numbers, for them to scale their business. And they feel like their money is being, well spent, you know? Um, so yeah, like during the discussion, like if, if they, if they start to say something like, Oh, you know, we, we really want to be able to like tell our story or we want to be able to tell our customers story. Then that's a great indication for you to, um, again, keep asking your questions. Um, but it's a good indication that they may, uh, want something in the lines of a branded documentary, um, film or, you know, series of, of short films, like, you know, two minute, three minute long, uh, short form type of type of things. Sure. And I've always found that to be true, that if you are cold, you know, you're cold pitching, you kind of lose all your leverage. Um, whereas if someone comes to you, you know, you have something to work with as far as well, you want me. Um, but when it's cold, you really have to be vulnerable. And, you know, you lose that leverage, which is always tough in the sales proce process uh, to not be working with any leverage at all. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough because it, it's, uh, you have to put yourself in like, in like the customer's perspective, you know, like if, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I don't, I dislike when, 
uh, someone's trying to sell me something. And I know when they're trying to sell me something. That's my job. You know, that's part of my job. It's like, I know when you're trying to sell me, sell me something and I don't want it, you know? So you kind of have to put yourself in that, in that perspective instead of always trying to, to chase the lead, you know, build your company up in a way where they come to you instead, you know? And obviously there's going to be, there's always a, a balance between it. You know, there may be a really cool business in your area, um, even if it's a local small business, but you're like, oh man, like this business is really cool. could be a, like a boutique shop or whatever it is. Um, so in that instance, then you have to be resilient enough to go pitch that client. Like, hey, I had this idea, uh, you know, branded documentary, it'd be really cool. And then you give them the reason why it would be really cool for them to, for you to shoot content for them. And then you go about like the budget and all that kind of stuff. You know, it is, it is an uphill battle. But again, if, if you are very passionate about uh, anything in life, then I feel like you, you already, you're already a step ahead, you know, versus like, oh man, I got to make the rent this month. Let me go see who I can pitch. It's like, that's not the way to do it. You know? Yeah. That's never going to come across as genuine that way either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you, then you're just like that door to door salesman, just trying to make numbers, you know? Nobody wants that. Everybody hates no. that. I think everyone hates it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the next segment here. Um, the process, uh, you know, and this is just, of course, uh, your experience, uh, probably no hard and fast rules. Um, but when you're going into, let's say now you're out of the, the stage where you're trying to get this customer to agree to it, or maybe they've come to you and you guys have settled, okay, we're going to do this project. Um, what's the process from there as far as finding the story? Um, do you, do you meet with them and you have a story in mind going in, or is this something that, uh, sometimes maybe you're doing the interview portions and you're hearing, you're listening for, you know, some kind of keys where you can think, okay, well, that's going to be, you know, a part of the story. Do you have a goal in mind? Yeah. Usually the goal is to identify what the story is really, you know? And so if it, I always do sort of like a, um, a, like a pre-interview with the, uh, with the client, you know, so let's just say random, let's just say the client is like a, like a welding shopper or something. Right. Then I, I, go to the, uh, the owner of, of that shop or that business. And I have like a, you know, once we settle on, okay, cool. Like, you know, the, this is the budget budget's cool. We're signing off on it. Uh, these are like the deliverables, all like the logistical things. Right. And then I have a pre-interview with the owner to kind of like, Hey, like, let's get to know your business. Like, you know, uh, where did you come from? Where was the inspiration? Where's the passion? Why do you, why is this business here? Why did you open it up in the first place? You know, some of the, um, some of the key points, right? Some of the struggles. Uh, I'm not trying to get super in depth. I'm just trying to get like the the bullet points of like the highlights, right? And then from there, I can extrapolate um, to when we do the actual sit down interview to get more into the the the, the details, the nitty gritty, um, to have more of like that conversational flow with the client. Because at the end of the day, like uh, I prefer interviews that are more conversational because they're more they're more they're more um, they're more human. Has more more of a of a human touch to it than just uh, okay. I have. I mean, I'm pretty sure you've been there. I've been there thousands of times. You know, where the the producer again, nothing nothing against them, but it's like they just have a list, and it's like okay, question one. Okay, they don't even look at the client. They don't, they don't even look at the interviewee. It's like okay, question two, question three. I'm just like God damn, this is boring as hell, dude. Like you're not even talking to the person. You just ask them questions. Like you might as well just have B-roll. Why 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 even do the interview? You know, um, again to each to each their own. 
but that that's sort of like the beginning process is have that pre-interview with the owner or the client and get get to know like you know why they opened up what their business is about why they felt so inspired to open up their business or start this product line or product launch um, and then get those highlight points written down and then from there you can start to to devise your uh, storytelling, right? Like, how are you going to actually edit all this stuff? You know, like what kind of, uh, inserts do you need? What kind of B-roll do you need? What kind of, um, maybe it, maybe the budget isn't that big. So you have to rely a little bit on stock footage. That's, that's totally fine too. You know, um, what kind of, um, music, uh, would, was best match this project? Um, what kind of like, you know, sound design do you want in it? Um, and then, and then from there you can go through your, your, pre-production process as far as like, okay, like, you know, getting visual references, uh, looking up the brands, color palette, you know, what kind of uh, colors do they use in their brand? Um, what kind of, uh, messaging do they have mission statement, things, things of that nature. Sure. Man, it's a true expert over here, Chaz. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm just, uh, I just, I guess I'm decent at what I do. So hopefully it helps out other people. I've seen your work. That's why I invited you on today. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, and that's how, you know, I assume one would go about it, but being that you're, you're well into the world of, of the narrative type work. Um, I did want to ask, cause I know people would, would want to know where do I get this story from? Um, so I definitely, I definitely understand that. Uh, Chaz, what do you, what do you got there about that story? The story part? No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking notes, bro. You're just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to the podcast. He's just, vi- he's vibing. He's, he's vibing. Yeah, I'll, I'll tune in at the end. Don't worry about me. So David, we always have a segment every week. It's called the nugget of the day. Um, okay. and you may have seen the NOTD in your notes. Uh, the nugget of the day is where Chaz really shines and he comes through with, you know, a powerful piece of wisdom. For these filmmakers hey, out here, I love, I love it, I love it. Shines, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's say, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so now we've we've passed the point where you've had this meeting with the owner or the decision maker, whoever it is, to get this, mm-hmm. the idea behind the story. Um, when you go into the shooting stage, you mentioned uh, earlier in the episode having people create uh, you know, an emotional investment into a company. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're shooting, how do you shoot in a way that matches the emotional investment that you want them to have? So I assume, you know, if it's a, mm. like a midwife service, well, you're going to want that person to be happy and in a great, you know, mindset, or if it's, uh, you know, something maybe a little more rough around the edges, well, you probably want them to have a different emotion, you know, a tattoo shop probably, would want a different emotion than a midwife service. So how do you shoot yeah. in a way that matches it? Uh, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I feel like how I would approach, cause every, every business is different in what they, and what they like offer in, in the tangible sense. A midwife service is different than a tattoo service, you know? Um, at the end of the day though, if you, once you get better at, at telling, at understanding what, what a strong, story is like the emotionality behind it i think it's it's um i go back to just basically the basic rules of of cinematography and this more so the cinematic language right it's like how do i actually tell a story whether that be through a photo 
or through a series or through a video or a film, right? Like what, what connects people? And I think what, what connects people is your ability to, you know, use the lens, use the camera, use your ability of lighting, um, to help shape and craft something that catches your eye. Right. So like, you know, say for like, like, like the tattoo shop, you know, if you're creating a branded doc for this tattoo shop, you know, it's, it's easy to go in and say, oh, I'm just going to shoot some wides, mediums and some tights and then call it a day, you know, and that's one way to, to approach it. But if, if you're not able to connect the interview, the audio portions of the interview, right, the sound bites uh, to the visual portions, then all you really have is just B-roll, right? And it's called B-roll for a reason. It's not it's not the main thing, you know. Um, so if, if if that's all you're doing, then then you could definitely improve upon that that style of of um, of storytelling. You know, um, the the most important part for me is 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 I feel like it really it really comes down to your ability to connect the camera and the lens and the lighting, all that, right? Cinematography, right? That, that's what I do. If you, your ability to connect all those things to, to the visual piece, to the audio piece, oh, sorry about that, um, is, is what sets things apart, you know, than just running and gunning. And, and again, not to say that running and gunning uh, doesn't work. It obviously works. You know, that's, that's a lot of, a lot of content we see today um, out on social media, but the client doesn't want like run and gun. They don't want the run in the mill stuff. You know, they're, they're, they're contracting you. They're working with you because of your ability to tell a story in a very, in a very specific way, you know? Um, and so I, I tell people like, you know, once, once you get used to the technical stuff, like, you know, you know, like the ISO and the white balance, like, like the basic stuff, right. You know, like your zoom lens and a prime lens, right. Then it comes down to, okay, how do I, how do I, how do I learn lighting? Because if you look at any, any film, this is just this is just my mindset and I might be completely wrong about this but I look at any film and I'm like dude this is a like beautiful I I, I don't even look at the lighting I don't even look at the camera movement I'm just so captured by it right and then once you like zoom your zoom you like your lens out and then you you go into the details of it you're like oh you know they they decided to use a prime lens versus a zoom lens they decided to use a dolly versus a gimbal they decided to you know light um using these fixtures versus, you know, natural light or whatever it is, right? All that actually does help your ability to sell something, you know? Um, and so that that's how I would, I would like approach that, that question. That makes any sense. I don't know, probably not, probably not. <laughs> no, it makes great sense. Um, <clears throat> so speaking of shooting, and this is kind of a, a simpler question. How much do you shoot? Do you tend to overshoot? Do you undershoot and shoot more later? How do you do that? Um, you know, it's, it's evolved. I, I feel like when I first started, I would shoot like anything and everything. Cause I didn't, I didn't really know. Right. And then that's sort of evolved into shooting, uh, into shooting less, but then over time, sometimes I would shoot not enough. So now it's at the point where, uh, pre-production helps out a ton, right? Having your shot list, having your storyboard, making sure that you get what you need because you know from your experience it's going to it's going to be helpful in the edit and then um once you have everything in the can so to speak then that gives you the opportunity to say hmm you know I, I have an extra few minutes it might be cool to get this shot and then just and then just go shoot it you know regardless of, of, of how it looks or if you don't have time to light it it's like hey let's just get this really quick as it might help out um in the edit and if it doesn't it doesn't but it's not like you know it's taking you like another 
uh, hour to set up this scene or something. So, you know, we have an extra few minutes. Let's just go shoot it. Um, and see how that works out. So my best piece of, of advice is really, and this is something that I do, right? Is like, is go into pre-production, have your, have your shot list, work with the director. Or if, you know, if you're, if you're, um, if you're like a freelancer or owner operator, if you're the one doing it, make sure that you have your shot list down, make sure you have your storyboard, um, and or storyboard, you don't need both, but have your shot list down. So that way you, you're getting the things that you absolutely need. And then having an opportunity in free time to get stuff that, uh, that may help out, uh, in the edit. Yeah. Add some of that seasoning, maybe some, some little extra. Tid. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Could, because, you know, there's been plenty of times where you're in the editing, you're like, Oh man, I wish I had a wide shot of this thing. And you're like, dang it. You know? So go So the next time or you make, you make the mistake, totally fine. The next time, make sure that, okay, cool. Last time I forgot to get the wide shot. I absolutely need to get the wide shot for this thing because it's going to help out. You know, um, it does, it does because the coverage isn't necessarily like just having random, random B-roll, right? Your, your job isn't to shoot stuff randomly. Your, your job is to have a very specific vision. And based upon that vision, you, you use the, um, uh, the principles and the rules of cinematography to, to support you, you know, like you have your, you know, say there's, there's a scene of someone like, uh, a sawing, <clears throat> sawing like planks of two by four wood or something like that. Right. If you have your wide, you have your medium, you have your close up, you have your inserts, you have, you have a little mini story right there, you know? So, or maybe you just shoot the whole thing in a, in a wide, right? I mean, like I'm not, I'm not saying what to do. I'm going to say that if, if the better you, you get at, uh, watching other people's work that you're inspired by other filmmakers, other commercial filmmakers, directors, um, uh, photos, photo books, old, you know, old black and white stuff. Like the more you, you take the time to understand what inspires you, then you sort of like kind of just copy it in a way, you know, where like you, you, you go through and you're going to say, Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. Let me just try it. And you just shoot this whole scene in a wide. Right. And then you're in the edit and you're like, okay, this works or, or it may not work, but it's through like trial and error. It's through trying things out and then learning from your mistakes, that's how you get better. You know, that that's that's what I did. I just, I failed a lot. You know, some stuff just didn't work. And I, and I learned from it. You know, it's like, oh, I, I could probably shoot this whole thing as a wide. And then later on, you're like, oh, damn, I, I really could use like an insert. Or I could use a close-up or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, to me, things that help at, at the shooting stage are really two things to me. Uh, number one is preparation before the shooting happens. Um, going in uh, with a plan in mind is going to serve you better. Um, and then the second part is for B-roll, it has one goal. It's to serve the story. Um, if it's not serving the story, you know, it's kind of doing a disservice almost uh, to where you could have used that time more wisely. And now it's kind of taking away from the story. Um yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, everyone, everyone's workflow is different. Everyone's mindset is different. I'm someone who, um, uh, I, I, I appreciate efficiency and especially when it comes to on, on day on set, you know, um, the budgets, the project scale at the end of the day, you know, if, uh, for people who are still, uh, one man band type of type of workflow, um, or maybe you have like an, a, an assistant, a camera assistant on the day or, or a grip or something like that on the day, right? Um, you only have so much time, 
to shoot this thing that you're being hired to shoot. You know, it could be a one day thing or it could be a day and a half thing. But if you don't go in with a plan of, of action, I feel like you're just setting yourself up to fail and not setting yourself up for a success, you know? So the more time you, you prep, uh, it's like, it's like team sports, right? It's like, there, there's no professional or college team that just, all right, we're just going to show up and play. It's like, no, like they have a plan. And then you got to practice, you got to train, you got to hit the weight room, you got to work on, you got to work on your skills, individual skills. You got to work on your drills. You got to work on on the team drills, right? You got to work on the plays. And then on the day when you actually get to the game, then things might change. You know, the other team might be coming with different plays that you're not used to. So then that's where the problem solving of filmmaking comes in, right? Um, but if you just go in kind of willy nilly, I feel like you're, um, you're not using your time uh, to the best of its, of its, uh, of its capacity, you know, um, as much as I love being on set, I also have a cutoff. It's like, I don't want to be on a 14 hour day. I've done those, you know, they suck, you know, and, and a lot, and a lot of it is just, we're just waiting around, you know? So it's like, Hey, let's just, if I can do this in 10, I'm going to do it in 10, you know? Um, so pre-production planning, have a plan of action. And then on the day, if things change, like whether it might change, uh, talent might not show up on time, might be an hour late, uh, maybe uh, technical difficulties. For some reason, your gimbal isn't working. For some reason, one of your lights just won't turn on, right? Then then you kind of have to go with the flow and, and, and say, okay, well, you know, if I can't have this light, um, you know, shooting outside the window, uh, we may have to change the angle a little bit or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, that makes great sense, um, which would bring me into our next topic which would be the editing stage. So, I mean, I think you gave a great, so far you've given a great groundwork uh, as far as, you know, just really an overall feel. What is this thing? How do you do this thing? And we've talked about, you know, speaking to customers about it, we've talked about shooting one. Um, and now I want to talk a little bit about editing one. Uh, you know, editing can be one of those things that is very streamlined, but it can also be one of those things that eats up unlimited time and resources. Um, so when you, when you come to the edit, if you're editing, or maybe if you're directing, you're sitting in with an editor, however, what's the best way to start a, a narrative edit like this? Do you start with sound design? Do you find a song or a set of songs or a feeling that you think, okay, well, this kind of speaks to what the customer would need, or do you just start going through your footage? Are you looking at dailies? Are you just scrubbing and finding and, you know, marking things? How do you, how would you approach it? Yeah, definitely the latter, you know, um, I, well, I always have at least like a couple of different, uh, music tracks and, and, and Foley and sound design, um, during the pre-production stage, kind of just to get, uh, get me inspired and then see, um, again, I'm a very visual person, you know, so even if it doesn't work, I just like to think, oh, maybe this track, uh, might work whether I use it or not. Um, uh, I don't pay too much attention to it. It's more just for my own my own, uh, ADHD, you know? Um, and then, well, once I, we, we're, so we're done shooting production's done. We're wrapped, we're wrapped production. Now we're in post-production. Uh, I, I kind of just go through the footage. I scrub and, and I, I start kind of just putting different clips together, um, on like a, on a base timeline, no audio, um, unless it's like an interview portion, but I kind of just start scrubbing and seeing, okay, what, what works, what connects, what doesn't connect. Um, and the, the first thing that, that I do is I always, um, re-listen to the interview, you know, so I watch the interview and then I make, um, 
Uh, I use Resolve, but you can use it in in Premiere or whatever edit NLE you're using. Um, but I always make markers, you know, and I color code the markers. Um, I I time code the markers, you know, to say, okay, this portion is like five minutes long and this portion is three minutes long. And then I color code them and I make notes on them. So that way, um, when I, I'm in the edit, I can start to chunk up and put the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, like the beginning, the middle and the end of it. Um, and yeah, or organizing the clips and bins is always super helpful. So that way you're not just, uh, you don't have just one bin full of like everything, you know, um, you can separate things. So that way, again, efficiency, you can get to that, to that section of B-roll, that section of the interview faster because you know exactly, you know, this full, it's in this specific folder or whatever it is. Um, and then yeah, color, color coding things. Again, I'm a visual person. So, uh, I color code each, uh, audio track and each, uh, video track just so it kind of reminds me of like, you know, yellow is, uh, more important. Green is sort of just like a, a broad idea. Um, blue is just a kind of like vanilla standard thing I can just put in there really quick. Um, you know, things like that to kind of help me organize the timeline itself. Um, because timelines can get, can get very messy. You know, they, they can get long and you just have like tracks, you have vertical and you're like, Oh man, I have no idea where this thing goes. Or sometimes you're like, uh, Oh, let me, let me combine this track with this one. And then next thing you know, you're like, Oh damn, I forgot to save it. And now it's some weird, weird Frankenstein track. How do I fix it? You know? Uh, and, uh, but that's also fun too. You know, sometimes you just make those little silly mistakes and you kind of laugh at it and you're like, Oh man, that's, that's kind of funny, you know? Um, so that's like the general overview of how I go into editing and putting together, um, uh, the timeline. Uh, yeah, I mean, best thing I could say is like, again, organize your bins, color code things in the interview portion, like make markers so that way you can easily get to them. Um, and sometimes you kind of have to watch and listen to the interview like multiple times, you know, like on the day is, is one. And then when you bring everything into, um, into post, that's the second one. And then sometimes, you know, I'll, 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 you know, watch, rewatch and re-listen to an interview like four or five times before I, I, I kind of get it ingrained in my head. Like, you know, what they're, what they're really saying, um, to the camera, what they're saying to the audience. Sure. And do you ever, uh, like watch a, a movie or a documentary something that you really connect to to get inspiration for projects when i don't know if you use it during the editing stage per se but do you ever draw inspiration from those things like types of shots you like or types of flows and things yeah 100 percent. you know I, again i may not necessarily do it during the edit um it, it depends on how long the piece is if it's like a one minute thing generally not but if this is like longer form uh or anything between like you know five to 10 minutes long, which is fairly long for a long form content, uh, then I will for sure. You know, I'll look at some of my favorite documentary series or documentary films just to kind of get some inspiration, or even narrative films, you know, just the way they, they shoot the coverage and the way they edit, you know? Um, so I definitely do get a lot of inspiration from, um, new and old, uh, favorite TV, uh, TV shows, streaming shows, um, documentary films or, or documentary series, especially. Absolutely. I know that that wasn't really a big part of that segment, but I just, it popped in my head and I wanted to ask because I know it's creative oh, yeah, people. I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. no you're, you're like, you're totally right. I, I feel like, you know, I, I, if I'm not watching something, I, I tend to kind of lose inspiration, you know, because I'm like, I, cause I, cause I feel like I'm doing this just the same thing over and over again. And, and truth be told, that's like almost like 90% 
of the job is you're, you're really just redoing the same thing over and over again, you know? So it's nice to every now and then see something different. You're like, Oh man, like that's really cool that they, they, you know, put these segments together and I would have never thought about that. Or, you know, the sound design is just so unique. You know, I kind of want to experiment and try something like that. Uh, the next time I have this opportunity, you know, or, um, lighting you know or or acting or blocking or whatever it is right because you can always implement those things um you know even though we're not you know you're not shooting like some huge netflix budget thing but you can you can extrapolate and get like kind of like a a bird a bird's eye view to say oh like you know uh there's this scene in this little film or whatever it is that two people are next to a window and they're talking to each other right I guarantee you're going to shoot something where there's going to be two people and you're like, oh, there's a window here. Let's have them talk about about whatever it is, you know. So, uh, again, maybe the budget is there. You don't have the huge lights that they have. You don't have the crew, but it gives you that that idea of like, okay, cool. Like if I have a window, I have I have a light, essentially, you know, some form of a light and I have the coverage. I can shoot this wide. I can shoot this wide two shot and I can shoot the coverage here. And then based upon that, I can, you know, then create. Um, this scene I can use in the edit, you know? Um, so definitely, yeah, watch a lot of films, watch a lot of uh, documentaries, watch a lot of mini series and kind of, kind of just get the juices flowing, you know, for the inspiration. Yeah. That's what I was, I was going to finish off by saying that as creative people, you know, I don't, I don't have any issues anymore with like the, the task of things. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when that fatigue or that burnout starts to creep in, you start, like you said, you start to feel like you're doing the same thing and you want, you crave something like, well, I want to create something new. Um, so I find also that watching something uh, and getting some inspiration of things like, oh, I, c- I could like to try that. Or, you know, maybe this type of shot could help this type of project better. Uh, and I was just curious how you, how you felt about it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same with you. Taz, you look deep in thought over there. It looked like you were writing. I told you, man. I told you, man. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, let's look the vibe, man. Just keep hey, it going. Hey, hey we're, we're still going. I was just checking on you over there. You look. Keep it going, man. Until, until you see me fall out this chair like old buddy did, then you just keep it going. I hope right? he's okay, by the way. I hope uh, so, too. <laughs> uh, all right, David. So uh, let's talk about this next. If, uh, let's say you ran into someone today. Uh, they're a videographer or whatever. And they say, hey, David, I heard you on this podcast. I want to do branded documentary work and they wanted to start today. I think I know what you might say, but what advice would you give them? Oh man, that's a, that's a loaded question, man. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would say if, if they've been at least, you know, doing it for a year or two, you know, like they're super fresh, you know, whether they're, whether they went to film school or not, or they just, they, they just, they want to create content you know they want to make a, a life out of this and a business out of this. And they wanted to specifically do a uh, branded documentary. I think my biggest piece of advice, I mean, there's like, there's like a hundred things I, I could tell this person, you know, um, I, I would say as long as you're passionate about branded documentaries, then you're going in the right direction. But if you're just doing it because you saw some um, fancy documentary, you know, and you know nothing about the industry at all, and you're doing it just because you want to, you 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 hate your job or you hate school or whatever, and you want to do something because you want to make money, I would say that's that's the wrong way to look at it. You know, as long as you're passionate about it first and foremost, 
That's the most important thing. All the other bullshit stuff will come. The technical stuff, the knowledge, the experience, all that stuff will come. But if your intention for doing it is wrong in the beginning, then that's something that um, I would I would ask that person to kind of like revisit and sort of just you know ask themselves like, hey, like what? Why do you really want to make you know branded documentary? You know, because most people I meet is like, oh, hey, how do I make videos? It's like cool, you know, like I can easy question, you know, but. If someone's like, I really want to make films, I want to make narrative films, and they're like 18 or 19, that's a very different question, you know? So, I don't know, man, there's a hundred different things I can tell that person, but biggest thing is like, yeah, as long as you're, as long as you're passionate about it, like you really want to make doc films, and then you, you can kind of get to the deeper question, right? It's like, why do you want to make doc films? It's like, oh, and then based upon that answer, then you can kind of uh, guide them in the right direction, you know, because we live in a, we live in a, we live in an age of, of, of fast and easily accessible information, you know, like you don't necessarily need to go to, um, AFI, you don't need to go to film school, you know, uh, if, if all you're looking for is like the technical part of it, which is part of it, you need to know how to turn on the camera, you need to know how to, how ISO works, how a shutter angle works, how shutter speed works, you need to know, um, aperture, like, like the technical stuff, Right. Like, like you need to know, you need to know the basics of it. Uh, but, you know, you can find it online. There's so many YouTube videos out there or, or um, Skillshare or any of these online courses, you know, but the reason for doing something is always very different, you know. So, yeah, I would just ask that person, you know, why, why do you want to make documentary films? Yeah, I also think uh, this is just, of course, my opinion. Um, if it's something that you want to do, um, things that have worked out for me is just go do it. Uh, you know, maybe you don't have a big budget or anything, but go find something and shoot it how you're thinking. Like, you know, I want to do this. Well, go shoot one. And you're going to learn a lot from the process of doing one. And if you do another, you know, you, you keep doing that. Eventually, you're going to be you're going to be qualified and well, you know, doing a good job at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, same. Exact. Exact. That's the that's the only thing I would say is like, if you really want to do it, then just go make one. You know, there is someone, you know family member or a colleague or uh, a business in the area and just say, Hey, I'd love to make a little, a little documentary film. And, and then they say, yes, then cool. Then just, then just go make it, you know, shoot it with your, shoot it with your phone, you know, like shoot it with your phone and, and, uh, and, and, and just go from there, you know, use iMovie to edit it or whatever you want to use to edit it, something free, you know? Um, and you learn a lot through the process, you know, you learn a lot about like, the type of storytelling that you want to um, that you want to share with the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not always a big proponent for free work, uh, but I think there's certain scenarios where it does make sense. I'm out of focus here. Focus. There we go. Uh, I think there's certain scenarios where it does make sense. Um, you know, especially if it's the type of thing where you don't quite have your legs under you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to go out here and accidentally make a, a big sale for a customer and then not deliver. And that's going to give you a bad reputation. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think you're right on there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're just starting out, like do shit, do do shit for free. That's what I did. You know, like I I you know, I did anything for free. You know, just to kind of build a real, build experience, build a network. You know, and then once you get to that point where you know you your your business, whether you're, again you're just you know solo owner operator and you're kind of just doing things by yourself, you're shooting, you're editing, you're doing the pitching, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a certain point where you want to branch out and you want to include a uh, branded documentary under your belt, under your portfolio. 
um, you know, and, you, and you've never done one, or maybe you've only done one, but you you were just like the camera operator on it. Uh, that's an opportunity to just say, oh, hey, you know, there's a cool business. I want to, I want to do like a documentary film, just to kind of get that under my belt. Just do it for free, you know, like find a find a business that you uh, connect with, that you like their product, you like the service. And um, I, I'm a big believer in the barter in the barter system. You know, it's like, hey, uh, would love to shoot this thing for you. No charge, uh, you know, just just uh, share it with it with uh, if you like it, just you know have it on have it on display in your in your iPad in the front or whatever, you know, and and uh, just share it with everyone, you know, because then that's one extra project that you have that you can use as um, experience or as again part of part of the reel if you feel it's strong enough to share with uh, future clients and future leads. Absolutely, um, <clears throat> I think we've already covered most of this. You know, I don't want to run too long because we're trying. We have a tendency to run too long, and we're so we're trying, <laughs> to, we're trying to be disciplined here. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so my my last question on this topic, and then we can start wrapping things up. Um, and of course, hit that nugget of the day that Chaz is pondering on over there. Mm, um, I see him. I see him. What, <laughs> once it's time to deliver, David, a a branded documentary or a narrative work uh, for a commercial client. What's the best practices for delivery? Um, I mean, I, like delivering the actual like file or like not necessarily like getting them the the copy of the work, but do you know, do you brief them on things? Do you say much? Do you just deliver it? Uh, do you do revisions? Like how how do you work with customers in the delivery? Oh, during the delivery phase, yeah. I mean, well, that's definitely during um, the the discovery engagement, and um, yeah, like during the discovery engagement to identify deliverables. You know, so okay, cool. We we've agreed that uh, you want as a customer, you want a uh, five minute uh, branded documentary film, uh, and you also want or need um, some social edits for it. You know, you want a sixty second four by five and you also want uh two 30 second uh 16 by nines right cool you know that's the delivery and then based upon that um how many revisions uh, am i as the service provider offering you you know i'm giving you whatever the number is you know generally it's two to three revisions anything any, anything past three i never do uh i will always offer that but i will say that's going to cost you extra because because it's my because as as experience has taught me, usually after the third revision, it's it's either it's funny. I was on set. I was talking about this with uh, <laughs> with the, with the crew member yesterday. Um, after the third revision, it's generally gonna be dog shit, or it's something completely new. That dude, this is like this is not even what we what we even what we even talked about during pre production. You know, this isn't the same. This is a completely different story now. You know. And you have to you have to set those boundaries with the client, right? Because the client isn't the filmmaker. You are the filmmaker, right? You are the experienced one. You are the knowledgeable one. And this isn't ego. This is just this is like uh, this is like the basketball coach, right? They've been doing it for twenty years. They know what they're doing. They've been doing it for twenty years, right? So your job as as the expert is to set those boundaries to say, hey, after the third revision, if you do want um, a change. In the entire timeline, that's that's basically double post production fee because now I'm creating a brand new film for you, you know, um, and I and I and I may not even have all of the shots that we can use because this is a di- completely different story than what we had talked about, you know. Uh, so that's usually what I do is a two to, two to three revisions, like that's it, 
maxed out, you know? The, the, so, the social ones, again, same thing. Like two to three, that's it. Because after the third one, it, it's not it's gonna get any better after the third revision. Like it, it ain't gonna get any better. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same fucking shit that we shot. It, it, you know, like, what do you want me to do? You want me to flip it upside down for you? Like, I don't know, right? Like, uh, but again, like, I, that's just me bullshitting, right? I'm not like talking to the client that way. Uh, I just, I put that in the, in the terms and conditions and I put that in the actual project agreement. Like, hey, you signed off on this. We're giving you five minute. We're giving you a 60 minute or six, not 60 minute. We're giving you a, a 60 second and then two 30 seconds, three revisions, two revisions max. That's it. And then they come back and say, oh, hey, can we get revision? And say, I just told them, hey, look at the contract. Contract says this. If you want more, the contract also says if you want additional revision, you will be charged X amount for that, you know? And then and then usually, right, that that at least saves me the headache because if if they go back and they say, oh, okay, it's in the contract, they're either going to say yes or no, right? And they say, and if they say yes, we'll pay the additional, cool. Then you you then then you're, then you're good, right? If they say no, cool, you still got paid, right? And and you don't have to go through another edit, right? So it, it's usually a win-win at that point. Um, and then, uh, and then I I I don't do I I know a lot of big agencies do this um, for like uh, I don't know I don't know why I mean I'm pretty sure it's just money wise, but I worked with large agencies where they will put licensing on on their deliverables. So, hey, you can use this up to one year for advertising. And after that, that license is expired. If you want, if you want to, um, if you want to renew uh, the project, then we, then we're shooting a brand new one for you. You know, um, I don't do that. Uh, but again, if you're working at like the, the largest of scales and that's what a lot of agencies do, they put licensing uh, dates on the project that they shoot, you know? So I don't, I don't, I don't do that. It's like, Hey man, if you want to use this for five years, Go for it. Be my guest. You know, the more money you make, the better, you know, because generally they'll come back to you, right? They'll come back the next year and say, Hey, we want, we, we need some new content. Cool. Let's, 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 uh, let, let's get going on, on a new project, a new quote, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's the, yeah, I think that's best. I would say like best practices for like, uh, when you're, when you're getting to that, that, uh, delivery stage of the project. Absolutely. I love it. That, that's, I mean, that's just a lot of great information. Chaz, what is, so we get to the anything else this is where I used to say, Chaz, you got anything else? Chaz, you got anything else, man? No, I don't. I don't oh, come on, else. man. <laughs> After the drama, I thought you, I got thought you were going to have so much. No, no, no. I don't have anything. No. It was dope. It was good was- listening. It was. I felt like we were both listening to his podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what, what about the nugget of the day? Do I need to drop this music or you want to? We got all the nuggets we need for today. Go ahead and drop it, bro. All right. Here we go. Nugget of the day okay. music. It's time. Nugget of the day. The nugget of the day, man. The nugget of the day. The nugget of the day, man. All right. What you got, Chaz? What's the nugget of the day? So, um, I had a nugget of the day in mind, and as I was listening, y'all talk, David, David said a couple of things and I had to write them down because they tied into the nugget of the day. Um, 
this is paraphrased, but you basically said study the work of others to gain your inspiration. You know, look at other films, look at photo books. I've said that before. Um, nothing we do is new. We're just recreating it through our own eyes. Um, but that 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 made me think of when you also said you can't force your vision on somebody else. Um, a lot of times I've heard people, you know, you, you're trying to, you're, you're trying, you're trying to get somebody to buy something and you're, you're compromising who you are. You're compromising your business integrity um, just to gain that sale. And it's like, like I think I said it on the podcast. Um, not everybody values the 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 work of Picasso, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's just it's just not your 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 client. It's okay, it's okay to say no. It's okay to turn down the work. Um, there are people that value you. They will find you. Um, you just have to be patient. Sometimes you do have to go out there and get them, or go looking for them. But don't don't degrade yourself just to you know book another client you know because at the end of the day you're going to regret it you're going to regret it so much it's going to be the <laughs> biggest headache you could oh my god it's it's nothing but a headache um i think we've all yeah, been you're, there you're uh you're you're chasing the wrong thing you know like you you may think you're chasing your dream but you're just chasing the money at the end of the day you know and that yeah exactly and and the way you know like i kind of had this 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 um epiphany i guess like you know two or three i think it was right during the pandemic it's like i was still working which which is which is i'm grateful for that but at the end of the day it's also like man you know um if, if i'm just gonna do the willy-nilly stuff about if i'm just gonna agree to do anything i might as well just go back to my old job you know like at the end of the day, I might as well just go back to my old job because if I'm if I'm not passionate about it, if I'm not passionate about this project, if the client isn't passionate, well then I might as well just go back to doing what I was doing before, right? And just getting getting a regular paycheck and all that, right? But we we chose this this uh this this dream of ours for a certain reason, you know, and we have to be uh, resilient in our in our passion and in our vision. At the same time, you can't force our vision on, 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 on someone else. You know, we filmmaking and client, you know, business to client, business to business, it, it's relationships. You know, it's like, how can I, you have a goal. How can I help you achieve that goal based upon my skill set, my talent and, and uh, our visions can, can combine together to make something beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well said. That's some beautiful um, stuff. But, um, the the original nugget of the day, it um it kind of just brings everything together. Um, the nugget of the day comes from Dr. Eric Thomas, also known as E.T. the hip hop preacher. Um, the quote is I like E.T. All men are created equal. Some men work harder in the preseason. Who? Um I mean, I don't need to elaborate, you know. It's just, that's just what it is. You know, you either, you either working or you relaxing. 
You know, you either practicing or you chilling. What, what are you doing? You know, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do to get better? That's it, bro. That's a true nugget of the day right there. Yeah. All right. So to avoid running too much longer, uh, David, number one, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you, uh, I appreciate you sharing all this information, all your uh, expertise with us. And I feel like all of these topics, I mean, all of these little categories we covered, I feel like could really be their own podcast, really their own episode. For sure. Um, <laughs> because there's just so much that, you know, I want to ask and I want to dive into. But, you know, for brevity's sake, you can't, you can't talk for 12 hours. Check one, check one, check one. Alrighty, friends, hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode uh, interview that I had with with Aaron and the boys. Again, I will leave uh, all the the links uh, down below so you guys have access to um, the uh, their podcast as well. And uh, it's always great to be able to share uh, knowledge and share experiences and kind of, um, you know, just have conversations with other filmmakers, especially uh, when they are are not located in the same uh, same state, same city, right? Everyone's uh, market is different. So it's kind of cool to see um, where the market is in each different region that you're in, right? Because uh, some things that I say may 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 not apply to you, right? Because you maybe you live in, um, I don't know, maybe you live in like Mississippi or something, right? And the market is just completely different. Um, but hopefully the the things that I shared uh, with the interview and the, um, the little tidbits of knowledge that I share on my podcast, hopefully it can provide like, uh, a bit of a, of a structure or a framework or just like kind of principles that you can apply to your own market, right? And where, where you are, uh, depending on where, again, just kind of where you, where you are in the world, right? Where you are in the United States or in some other country. And, and hopefully it works out for you um, in, in being able to kind of like uh, craft the, the principles and the foundations that you need in order to grow your, uh, your own business and to, you know, keep the creativity alive and to always kind of like find that balance, right? Between like being super creative, right? Doing your spec stuff or doing your, your narrative project or, or some, uh, super cool, crazy, uh, music video that you've been wanting to try out. And then also being able to kind of, uh, pay the bills and do the regular, um, bread and butter stuff, right? Bread and butter, um, projects that bring in the the income for you, right? All right, that's it for me. Again, next week's episode will be on virtual production. So super, ooh, super excited for that. Um, again, if you haven't shared this episode, please do with everyone that you know, and I will catch you guys in next week's podcast episode.